0: Recorded live. A U N American Underground Network.
1: The following live recording is an A U N special presentation and morning good afternoon and good evening and welcome again to a, a monthly broadcast that we're doing with a special guest Hamuk um, in California and a 9 eleven uh, researcher and been doing a lot of he's a producer and video editor and, uh, of many 911 films and we'll be hosting today's uh, conference and also our uh, guest is Christopher Bolin, who is the uh, famous uh, former uh, researcher and uh, former journalist with American Free Press of, from Washington, D.C., who's been covering 9-11 uh, stories and articles since the day it actually happened in 2001. And Christopher is an accomplished, as well as a journalist, but an, an author. He has two very uh, informative books, uh, Solving 9-11, Uh, um, The Deception That Changed the World, and a sister publication that goes along with that book, Solving 9-11, original articles. And uh, the first book, of course, is Deception That Changed the World. And I encourage everyone to please uh, go to Bolin, bolly
2: ncom
1: and order Chris's books. That's the best way to actually understand and have proof of what happened. It's all documented. And so uh, with that and our guest that's on TalkShoe, while this has been a simul- cast, I uh, turn it over to our host from California,
3: the MOOC. Well, thank you very much, Steve. I really appreciate the work you're doing and that AUN is doing to make it possible for us to do this communication with Christopher, because he's really the leading edge of, the, of solving 9-11. Uh, uh Christopher welcome to the show and I I think we can just start right out with your uh, newest article the revolution begins with 911 let's let's hear what you've got to say
2: Okay well thank you Hamouk Um yeah I uh, my my most recent article is called um uh the revolution begins with 911 truth and um I uh, I wrote that because um you know there, I I was working on several other leads, you know, smaller smaller detailed detailed articles about what happened in Shanksville or or this person or that person, and then I I I, I realized, you know, I, that that um, going and delving into the the details of the details of what happened on 9/11 is not really the important thing at this point. Um, furthermore, you know, I've presented my material to audiences around america and europe and the question that i always get at the end is people say well what do we do now you know what what do we do with this what do we do with this material what do we do with this information where do we go from here and and i get it every every place i go i get this question it's inevitable so i decided to turn to that question and of course you know um when I, people ask me that i always say the same thing i usually tell them that the important thing is to uh, uh, share the information, you know, read the books, uh, understand that we've been deceived about 9-11. Think about that. And then when you when you understand that, then share that information with your family and your friends um, and your colleagues because, uh, you know, you have to share this information with other people um, because we live in a deceived nation. We live in a deceived world. You know, people, people most people, a lot of people um, are not, understanding that much about what happened on 9-11. But at the same time, by the same token, we do know that a very, very large percentage of the American population does not believe the official version. But they don't really know the details. They don't understand really what happened, and so they can't move much further from that position. So I wrote this article, um, you know, and like I said, first I tell, tell people to spread the word, you know, and then because you have to have understanding before you take action. You, know, you, can't, you can't go out and, and, and take action on something if you don't really understand, you know, what happened, who, who deceived us, who's behind the deception, and who are the guilty parties. And, and there's a lot of, you know, um, I've been thinking about this 9-11 since, like, like you know, since it happened, basically. And it's, a, it's been a very uh, strange path. But, you know, when you think about it a lot, a uh, certain logical sequence follows. And, and that, that, that sequence, of course, is that we have been woefully deceived about what happened on 9-11, and the partners, the, the main partners in that deception, um, as it relates to us, are the U.S. government, our official you know, government in Washington, and city of New York, for that matter, and then also the, um, uh, the media. And, and these two entities, the government and the media, have basically been complicit in a huge deception um, against the American people and the world since 9-11. Well, what does that mean? That, that means that, that, that our government is basically in cahoots with the people who pulled off 9-11 because they are protecting, they have protected the guilty parties. The guilty parties of 9-11 have been protected. The lies have been protected. And we have been, we have been, we have been snookered into two illegal wars of aggression in Afghanistan and Iraq based on these lies. Well, what does that tell us about our relationship to our government? That tells us that our government is not serving the people at all. In fact, the government is, is working against the people. The government is working against the, 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 the interests of the American people. It's working against the American Republic. And it's again, working against our, our well-being and our welfare. Well, I mean, that obviously means that our government is working in collaboration with the guilty parties, and that that this government has, you know, perpetuated a a train of abuses, a long train of abuses, like it says in the Declaration of Independence, and it it has conspired to to put us under, uh, you know, absolute despotism, which means that we are, like the forefathers of of the, the, you know, American forefathers who wrote the Declaration of Independence, we are suffering under a despotic government. And and it means that you know 9/11 truth is the pivotal event upon which American history will turn. Either either we will uh, 9/11 truth will prevail, and there will be uh, arrests and investigations and prosecutions of the guilty, or it will continue as it has thus far, and the guilty parties of 9/11 will will be able to continue their, their war agenda and take us the nation and the world into you know, more calamitous wars and, uh, and God knows what will happen then. So it's like it is the pivot of the revolution. It, 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 can only, it, it, it has to change. It cannot go on. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable to have a government that, that openly lies to the American people about such, a, such a, a calamitous event. You know, 3,000 people murdered in broad daylight and, and for now almost 14 years, 13 and a half years, the government has has been complicit in a complete deception and protected the guilty parties. So, you know, it doesn't mean that you just have to run out and get your guns and, and, and start shooting people because you know you, you can't. It, that's not the way to go. But but to understand that 9/11 truth is is the essence um, of the of the revolution that is going to happen that has to happen in America
1: is very important.
3: Well, you got that right, uh, uh, Christopher. I think the work you've done has just—you know—the you, your companion book that has the articles in it is almost a day-by-day compendium of the dirty tricks that were being played. So, with those two books, people have really got to get yeah. into the depth of what's going on. Um, yeah. The uh, the thing that I'm uh, toying with is uh, solving 9/11 task forces where. We look at this is the murder mystery that it is, and we mm-hmm. encourage people to post and put up stuff that where the where the problems have been solved, where we know mm-hmm. what the answers are, and where we know mm-hmm. where the government is lying to us, and get that information mm-hmm. out. More and more people are aware mm-hmm. of the complicity of our own government. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you know the the complicity is very clear. When you talk about what happened post 9/11, I mean, when you talk about the cover-up, the destruction of evidence, the um, the obstruction of justice, in that in the people who prevented an investigation from happening, I mean, that's one thing that people have to understand. You know, uh, you, you hear p- architects and engineers and other people calling for a new 9/11 investigation, um, not understanding that there never was a 9/11 investigation in the first place. There was no criminal investigation. Rather than investigate the crime scene and the, uh, you know, where 3,000 you know, 3, people were killed in New York City, for example, the evidence was all um, put on the fast train for destruction. It was taken out, uh, taken away from the site, and it was, uh, it was being cut up into small pieces 24-7 at these two junkyards in New Jersey, and it was being mixed with other scrap, you know, intentionally mixed with other scrap and then sent to Asia for melting down. I mean, this was this a was round-the-clock destruction of evidence. But we know who's behind that. We know who's responsible for that. We, we, we know the parties. I named them in my book. First and foremost, you know, um, I would say uh, Michael Shertoff, because he was the person, the Assistant Attorney General, who was supposed to investigate the crimes of 9-11. And, and some people will, will criticize me for not um, pointing the finger, uh, firstly, at George Bush and Dick Cheney. But George Bush and Dick Cheney are definitely complicit in massive, massive crimes. Um, uh, for example, waging a war of aggression, conspiring to wage a war of aggression in Iraq and other things. But when you talk about 9-11 complicity, you know, George Bush was not supposed to investigate 9-11. You can fault George Bush and Dick Cheney for not, for not establishing a blue ribbon investigation on day one. That's legitimate criticism. But when you talk about who's actually involved in the in the um, actual cover-up of evidence and non-investigation. You have to look at the the appointed officials. Okay, he was appointed by George Bush, but people like Michael Sheraton and of course John Ashcroft. These were the two characters at the Department of Justice who completely failed the American people by completely failing to do what they were supposed to do, and that is to investigate
3: 9/11. Yeah, that's pretty clear by now. It's uh, the, the part I love is that they were able to release back to israel without any questioning or any comment the largest espionage ring that had ever been discovered in america so there was a lot of stuff going on that was uh kept from the american people that would not have been tolerated if we had known about it absolutely yeah so um i want to get a a perspective from you Mm -hmm. on the European conference that you were recently at and uh, what's the difference in the way that the Europeans react to 9-11 now and five years ago you've been talking to them over Uh there for a number of years Uh uh-huh yeah
2: well it's, it's very interesting we had a there was a conference in 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 Holland called the open mind conference 2015 in the Netherlands and uh there have been open mind conferences prior to that, in Denmark. It's a, it's a, Danish, uh, a Danish thing. And uh, a guy named Frank Rasmussen, who's an expert on chemtrails, he, he has uh, hosted these um, open mind conferences. And this one was done in Holland um, by a former KLM pilot. Um, he uh, organized this one. And it was very interesting because uh, there was, I, was speak, I was one of the speakers and, and also Ken O'Keefe. And, and the 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 pilot who, who arranged this this conference, he got the idea to arrange it after after I had been not allowed. I had been I had been detained at Heathrow Airport last January when I went to meet Kenil Keith. I was going to be on a little TV program with Kenil Uh He's a, he's like a Palestinian activist. He was on the he was on the flotilla that went to Gaza uh, a few years ago, and he, he was beaten up by the Israelis. And so he's a very outspoken American guy. A, a veteran of the uh, first war in Iraq, the Gulf invasion, the Gulf War invasion of the 1991 and then there was uh, Ian Crane was another speaker, and Frank Rasmussen was a speaker and uh, there was one more uh, but, but the thing was that we were five speakers I think all together and, and you know we talked about things from chemtrails to conspiracies to Palestine and Israel, and my speech about 9/11 truth. And what happened was, um, boy, there was a real a newspaper, the biggest newspaper in, in, in Amsterdam, uh, which is the biggest city in Holland. They, a week before the event came, they, they wrote a piece where they tried to portray me as being first an uh, anti-Semite and then, and then t- calling me a Holocaust denier. And, and using these kinds of terms, they, uh, it, it was quite libelous. It, their charge was, was a libel. And they, they wanted to scare us, uh, scare the, the organizer, into basically canceling the event. And what happened, though, is that we were going to speak at this old school building in um, Amsterdam. But that building is owned by a political party, and it's next door to a synagogue. And the synagogue uh, was able to um, get that venue to um, basically disallow us, to disadmit us. And so, you know, in a few days, like a week before the conference, we had to find a new venue, um, and we had to do it, like, you know, in another town. So it was, it was, it was. This is, this is pretty extreme. Um, I'm still, I'm looking for a lawyer, a, a lawyer who can help me with a, a a libel case because this newspaper is called Het Parole, um very clearly committed a a, a libel against me, and uh, you know, it, it's worth pursuing that. Um, but, you, of course, if you could pursue a case like that, you, you better make sure you have a pretty good lawyer and a good chance of winning. But um, so we had, the conference went very well, and uh, it was a, a, a big success. We had about 150 people. Our venue was only a, not big enough for 150 people, and it was filled to the, filled to the brim. And instead of having it a two-day a, a two event, we made it a one-day event. It was on June 6th. And uh, it was very successful. Now, how do people in Europe... Understand 9 11 truth? Um, well, you have to understand that the media in Europe is just as controlled as it is in America. Uh, it, it's controlled maybe in a little bit different way, but regarding 9 11 truth, you're not going to find very much 9 11 truth written about or talked about on TVs in, in Europe um, in, in the same way that it's not talked about in America. It's like it's the most taboo subject politically in the United States and, and to a large extent in Europe as well. And and I suppose that a lot of Europeans kind of see it as being like an American problem. Um, Not understanding that, of course, you know, they're part of the same, they're part of the same ball of wax because these countries, they sent people to Afghanistan. Holland, for example, sent like 2,000 guys over there and they ran a whole division of of people um, in the middle of Afghanistan, in Kunduz, I think it was, Kunduz. And um, they lost, you know, 25 people, I think, and had like 150 injured. So, I mean, these countries have been deceived in the in, in exact same way. And they've been snookered into the same anti Islamic war that is, is what we call the war on terrorism. And, and furthermore, now the very same people who brought us the war in Iraq, you know, like the Kagan family, namely the Kagan, the Kagan or the Kagan family, they've, they've created this crisis in Europe, in Ukraine which has been now spun into a very dangerous anti-Russian propaganda campaign, which is really, really dangerous because they, I'm I'm talking to you from Sweden, and and the newspapers here constantly harp on this uh, anti-Russian fear. You know, there was an article just the other day in the paper that said that uh, Russia could take uh, Gotland. it's It's the island off the coast towards Russia. Russia could take Gotland in six hours, and they've been practicing and training to do that. I mean, this is complete nonsense. But what they're doing is that they're, they're 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 trying to say that Russia aggressed Crimea and took Crimea by illegal annexation, which is not true, and that and that therefore Russia is in this in this uh, in this mode where it's going to start taking back pieces of the old Soviet Union, which it has no interest in doing, and so they 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 pushed this fear in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, etc., all across Western Eastern Europe, and and really put a. a a very dangerous game into, into effect here. Um, so I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that this is the Zionist war agenda. The Kagan family are the, are the people who brought us to war. They, brought, they wrote this this document called The uh, Project for a New American Century, which was basically their baby. And in that group, Donald Kagan, his father, his sons, Frederick and, and, and Michael, I think, they're the, Robert Kagan, Robert and Frederick. They're the ones who put this, this uh, project into effect. And it was in the year 2000, they they came out with this paper called um, uh, Rebuilding America's Defenses, in which they clearly called for a new Pearl Harbor. And and basically they said the United States will have to invade and occupy Iraq, whether Saddam Hussein is on the throne or not. That's very important to understand. So it's like this this goal of occupying Iraq and establishing an American presence in Iraq was in the cards um, whether Saddam Hussein was going to be in power or not. And and so, of course, then they made this big – they spun this whole thing about weapons of mass destruction, which didn't exist, and took us into a war in Iraq, and and, and there you have it. Now, the very same people are are behind – it was Victoria Nuland, the Assistant Secretary of State for Eurasia, is the person who basically created the the coup in Kiev in Ukraine. And so, you know, we have this, this same rotten little Zionist Jewish cabal at the State Department. That is, that is conspiring wars of aggression around the world. And it's like, you know, we've, this is what I'm talking about. When, when, when we, we need a revolution in America, because we have to remove these people from power. We have to remove this cabal. We have to remove, now you ask, well, how did, how did these guys get in power? Well, you know, understanding the, the Zionist network and how it's infiltrated all levels of our government, and that this, this is the part that has to be extricated, has to be pulled out. And, and these people have to be, have to be um, prosecuted for their crimes. I mean, conspiring to wage a war of aggression is uh, a, the number one war crime. It's the crime against the peace. So not only George Bush and Dick Cheney, but all the people who, who are part of the conspiring, all the people who are part of the planning, they have to be held accountable. Ashton Carter is one of them. Our current defense secretary is one of them. And so is John Deutsch and a whole host of other people. And, and all of these people... They belong to an organization They belong to a network it 's not a network that you see on the surface, but it is a network all the same and and this whole network has to be pulled out of our government, otherwise our country will no longer resemble an American republic it will cease to be a democratic American republic in any sense of the word, and it will become a totalitarian state, which it's very close to being already
3: yeah i 'd say you got that right um, i'm I'm interested in uh how the the neocons, when I believe when uh, when Clinton was in power, they went to work in Israel and did their uh, PNAC work, uh, working for uh, Bibi Netanyahu. And then mm-hmm. when Bush got back in power, the neocons moved back into uh, American politics and started doing their stuff over here. Do you have uh, any insights on that?
2: No, I, I don't know what they were doing, um, you know. Prior, I know that they're, they're they belong to this. I think this group of uh, Trotskyites or something like that. But they're the people who were basically also um, behind the Cold War. They they were they were part of this anti-Soviet, uh, you know, think tanks at places like Yale and Princeton, and whatnot. Um, Donald Kagan is is the father. He's a Lithuanian-born Jewish fella. Um, uh, and he's the, he's like he was the founder of this project for New American Century um, but you know like the the understanding that that that, that 9/11 was uh, the crime of 9/11 was actually planned decades in advance it was really they really started to plan it seriously in the 1970s and and that means that you know the the setting of the stage um, was being done in the Clinton administration the real serious setting of the stage was all being done during the Clinton administration and that's at the time when um, Rami Manuel was a special advisor to Bill Clinton, you remember. Uh, and Rami Manuel is, is a, a senior Mossad operative. Um, his father, Rami Manuel's father, Dr. Benjamin Emanuel, lives in Chicago. Um, he, was, he was involved in the Stern Gang, this group called Exceller Lehi. Um, this group was the one that was led by Yitzhak Shamir, the little uh, Zionist terrorist from um, um, Belarusia, who was, who was involved in the murder of, of the Swedish Count Volker Bernadotte in 1948, I think it was, in Jerusalem. And, 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 and you know, this group, and, and Benjamin, Benjamin, I mean, Ram Manuel's father, Benjamin, was involved in that, in that little terror group. And then in 1952, I think it was, he went to America with his uh, um, American wife, American-born Jewish wife, and uh, these Emanuel kids um, are all very high-level people. One of them, Ari Ari Emanuel, it's Rami Emanuel's brother, is the agent for Michael Moore, Michael Moore. And, you know, just a little side note, you see right now they're making a big deal out of the Confederate flag. Suddenly, the Confederate flag has become uh, toxic. (laughs) Wait. Wait, for 150 years, the Confederate flag's been flying left and right all over the South, and now suddenly they're making issue out of that. And I just read that Michael Moore, you know, a girl climbed up the the pole in in Columbia, South Carolina, and she found the flag, the Stars and the Bars yesterday, and Michael Moore offered to pay her legal fees and everything. And as I said, Michael Moore's agent is Ari Emanuel. And and Michael Moore, if you remember about 9-11, made a movie called Fahrenheit 9-11. In which there was, of course, no mention of any Israeli whatsoever. When 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 Israelis are all over the 9/11 story, when when Michael Moore made his story about 9/11, there was no mention of those Israelis. And then well, his older brother, and his older brother um, is a, a a big shot at the National Institute of Health um, on the East Coast. So it's like, well, wow, this is a very successful family. Well, it, it, it is a successful family, but it is more to it than that. You have to understand that these people are agents of the power. They're agents of, of the power that I'm talking about. And so when, you know, you, you have to ask yourself, why is Rami Manuel, why was Rami Manuel the special advisor for Bill Clinton? And then when, when, uh, a, when um, Obama gets elected, suddenly he's named the first appointment, the first appointed person by uh, President Obama was Rami Manuel. Amazing, huh? amazing how this guy is like the wallpaper in the White House during a Democratic presidency. Well, there's a reason for that, because he is like, like Henry Kissinger, he is a, a, a key player in the, in the Zionist network. And, and that's how these people, that's how these people get advanced. They, they don't get advanced on their merits, they get advanced because they are dedicated and high-level players of the Zionist power. And that Zionist power is the, is the power that has to, be extra, has to be pulled out of our U.S. government, has to be purged. We have to have a purge of our government in the way that, you know, I don't know, not the way Stalin did it, but, but in, the, in the same vein, we have, our government has to be cleansed. Our government has to be purged of all these infiltrators who have a foreign agenda. They're anti-American. The people who are running this Zionist network in the United States of America are anti-American. They are working against the American people and against the American republic. And I can see that right now what they're going to promote for this upcoming election in, 19, in 2015 is they're, they're, going to play the, they're going to play the Civil War all over again. They're going to, they're going to try to divide Dixie from the north, and, 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 and suddenly the big issue is the stars and bars, you know? Not the fact that some guy went and shot up the place and, and, and killed, you know, 12 people down in Charleston. No, the issue is now Dixie and, and what Dixie stood for and what the Confederacy stood for. And so it's it just, again, it, it's more divide and conquer kind of mentality. They're doing to America now, they're doing to America now what they did in Iraq ten years ago. They're trying, to, they're trying to break the nation along factional lines, along sectarian lines, along along, you know, you know, like the old the old 60 Union line. They're they're trying to do that. It's it's and it's very clear that's what they intend to do. So we have to be aware of that. Be aware that be, be aware that our government has been hijacked and that they and they're they're working against us, they're working against our nation. And the only way that we're going to get our nation back is to have this power removed. They have to be removed from the government and they have to be removed from the media. You know, those, those, those two, you know, we, we, can't, we can't go on. We can't go on with this, with this complete controlled media and completely controlled government.
1: Chris, this is Steve with AU Network, and thank you for sharing that information. That is mind-boggling with the Michael Moore connection and actually fills some voids that I didn't know. So thank you for that information. Mm-hmm. And I can relate with what you're saying with the, the story of the woman because the woman that was arrested uh, for climbing up the flagpole was from my city, from Charlotte, North Carolina. Of course, it made front page mm-hmm. paper here, but uh, mm-hmm. this, you're exactly right. What they're going to do is they're going to play that race card. They're going to play that race
3: card. Mm-hmm. and Absolutely. They're,
1: they're even defacing monuments, which well, this was part of American yeah. history. It was a civil war. Right. So, you know, the, mon- the monuments have uh, the, the, the uh, a Confederate flag carved into them. So that's terrible to deface those. But, yeah, they're making a big deal out of it. So you're exactly right. They're yeah. playing that to their advantage. They're playing that race card. Thank you for that information. Yeah. Yeah. Because it makes no sense.
2: It makes no sense otherwise. I mean, it, suddenly the issue, um, the media all across the board, Suddenly focused on the Confederate flag, on the old stars and bars, and, and its position on the Georgia flag or the South Carolina flag, and as if as if that's the issue, and and then and, and, and then saying that then, then I can see that they're they're trying to say that the that the Confederate flag stands for slavery. That this is and, and they're, they're they're conflating the whole history of, of of the of the of the Civil War into this race question, which is which is which is wrong. And, and But they're, they're trying to break the United States into, again, they, they want to play this card, they want to play the race card, they want to they get Americans to hate each other again, you know, along northern southern lines, along yeah, race lines, along religious lines, and they've been doing it very hard for like the last year or so with, with all these kind of false flag attacks where, where blacks are attacked or whites are attacked or, you know, but it's exactly what they did in Iraq because the name of the game is basically, you know, divide and conquer. Put people
0: against each other, and that's what they're doing.
3: Well, that's uh, fantastic work you've done there, Christopher. I had a question before. I wondered uh, if you would ever read your book out loud, and then Mm -hmm. we set up and have people uh, hear the story right straight from the horse's mouth. Are you interested mm-hmm. in that?
2: Very much so. That's a very good idea. I just want to uh, uh, get the mechanism set up and, and do that. That sounds like a really great summer project.
3: That's, uh,
1: that's great. So I, I, yeah, I you, Betty and I have talked about that, and Betty's on the line with us from Chapel Hill. And, you know, the problem is, Chris, is people. people are so... Pressed for time, I mean, they're having to work two yeah. and three jobs. So, really, yeah. when somebody like myself, when when they take the time to read your book, you get it. <laughs> There's no other way you can get it. And then you have the, your accompanying yeah. book that goes with it. Your your uh, uh, articles, original articles yeah. that you did. Uh, you have everything documented that you start out from day one writing. So, is is proof it's proof that you've done with your research there's, It's undeniable and, and you can research yeah. everything you've done in your book which you showed that but the thing is to get people for example this archive uh, and so much yeah. thank the to Hamouk for, for this, doing this as well but this would be an opportunity for people to archive and listen to this maybe a chapter yeah. per call yeah. and just go over that and then say hey, get the book because it's all in there then they have it documented but it would be a way to yeah. really put in audio what you've already done with your you know, dedicated yeah. and work yeah. And marvelous. Yeah. I,
2: I, I, I will, I will, I will do that. I, um, I, I will definitely do that. There's a, uh, we're working on a project here in Sweden. There's a, they want to do a little, uh, TV thing about my, my family and what my family went through, um, with nine 11 and what happened to us there. And, uh, so we're going through all this, and and it would be a good time for me to actually do that. And I will, I will, uh, I will try to find out the best way that I can make this recording and just you know get good, high quality recordings, and then find ways to get them out on the internet. But you're absolutely right; that's a good idea because a lot of people, you know, uh, uh, don't have time to read, like you say, but they have time to listen to a recording on in the car or something, or when they're driving or what have you. So it, that's a very good idea.
1: They can podcast. This, well, this broadcast can be podcast, and if anybody ever has a question. Yeah about why Christopher left uh, uh, Hoffman Estates in, in Illinois, simply go to aunetwork.tv and click on the video with Fred Smart's interview with Chris back in 2000. Mm-hmm. And that explains it right mm-hmm. there. The, I think Betty has a question.
0: Yeah, Would that be uh, uh, doing a summary of each chapter to whet the appetite of the listener?
2: I would think that to read the whole chapter. I would think that it would, be would
0: be that.
3: Yeah. That's what I would say. I would say he just reads the thing verbatim, and this yeah. this could end up being a great uh, a great piece and have it available on uh, Amazon and, as a book and uh, as an audio
2: book. Yeah,
3: listen to it on the way to work. Anyway, uh, we're very interested in that uh, here at uh, Nine Eleven uh, Christopher, and so we're going to help you figure out how to get the high quality okay. uh, audio. Good, good. Let's do that yeah that'll be great uh one of the things I re- remember listening to you uh a couple of years ago. you had discussed some of the deep uh, Obama connections in Chicago, and I was just fascinated with that and I think this would be yeah. as good a time as any to to explore that because part of solving nine eleven is getting this information in front of the people so that everybody knows. Yeah. What the problems are If you could go into The depth stuff in Chicago And keeping in mind that Rahm Emanuel is now The mayor of Chicago Somehow he got from uh, Obama to back the mayor And Obama got uh, Put into office through the Chicago Connection as I understand it Do you want to to, uh, explore that for us? Sure, sure Well it,
2: it, it goes back To basically understanding organized crime In America if you, if, you, if, you, if you understand uh, that organized crime in America, what we used to call the syndicate, is not actually Italian, but is primarily Jewish at the top. That's the mm. beginning. And okay. the guys, that, the guys that, 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 that ran the mob, you know, have run the mob for a long time, um, are the boys from Lawndale. The guys from the, east, the west side of Chicago, from a town called, a little area called Lawndale. And this means that people like um, the Korshock brothers, Sidney Korshak and his brother. Like Sidney Korshak was, if you remember the movie Godfather, there was a consigliere in the movie, his name was Tom. And in the movie, uh, he was depicted as being a, an Irish-German, uh, of Irish and German blood, when in fact, the, the real life character of Tom, the lawyer for the mob, um, was Sidney Korshak who was this uh, Chicago-born Jewish lawyer from Lithuania, I think, who, uh, who went out to California and basically was the, the mob for the lawyer and the mob for Hollywood and the mob for a lot of other things, um, you know, in the, in the 50s and 60s and I suppose early 70s. And, and he was also, for example, so, so engaged in Hollywood that he was the consultant for the movie The Godfather. He's the one that got Al Pacino the role in The Godfather. And he's the one who advised them on, you know, the movie. And, 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 and he obviously advised them to make Tom, the consigliere, the lawyer for the mob, into an Irish, into an Irish German, when in fact he was a Lithuanian Jew from west side of Chicago. Now, when we talk about Obama, you have to understand, of course, then, that this, 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 there's this unseen hand. Like I said, Sidney Korshak's brother was the right hand of Mayor Daley, Mayor, the old Mayor Daley, um, I forgot the, the Korshak brother's first name, but he was the, he was the, the, the right hand for the, the Mayor Daley. Now his daughter, she, her name is also Korshak, she's the right hand for the, the current mayor. She's involved in the current government of Chicago. Now what, this, what, what we have with Obama is that Obama was, I'm from Chicago, I'm from the Chicago area, I was born there, but um, when Obama was becoming um, created as a candidate, he was a non-entity in Chicago. He 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 did nothing. He had done nothing. He was not known. Nobody knew him. He was uh, he had he had been uh, elected into the state house down in Springfield, Illinois, and he was some sort of you know state senator from from Chicago from one part of Chicago downtown down in, the, in the downstate, but he, he did nothing. He was a non-entity. I I can't I can't express that enough. I follow Chicago politics. I mean I I live there and I never heard of it that And then suddenly, you know, uh, there was this Fitzgerald, Senator Fitzgerald resigned, I think he resigned, and and there was going to be a a race for his Senate seat in the U.S. Senate. And there was uh, Obama became a candidate for that. And that was like in 2004, I guess it was. And the Republican candidate withdrew in June of that year on some sort of infidelity or, you know, sexual peccadillo or whatever. So... It was only Obama, and and this 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 has happened before in Obama's candidacy, that he has been the only candidate running. So here we had somebody running for the the Senate seat from from Illinois, and there was only one candidate in the race. That was Obama. And then at the very last minute, like in in September or October, um, that that conservative black candidate from Maryland, who who was run for president before, I forgot his name, um, he came out. And 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 acted like a carpetbagger, kind of like a a a foreigner from you know he came to Illinois and said I'll run, I'll be you know I'll 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 run as the as the Republican candidate, and uh, he actually got a lot of votes (laughs) because nobody really wanted to vote for Obama, but Obama still won the race of course and became the senator from Illinois. But what happened? How Obama got to this position? Again, he didn't rise, he didn't raise, he, he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't rise on his own merit. He was raised on his connections. Now. With Obama, we know that in 1992, he was he, a, a woman called Betty Lou Saltzman became his largest benefactor. And Betty Lou Saltzman is the daughter of Philip Morris Kletzman. Saltzman is her married name. Um, she was a Kletzmick. And Philip Morris Kletzmick was in, in the in the late 80s, he was the international president of the he was the, he was the president of the International Order of Bene Brit. This is the Elders of Zion, in a in a nutshell, this is the secret conspiratorial uh, group of Zionist Jews men who who have this group called the Bene Brit, and it was created in New York City in 1843. It is now international, and it is a group where um, men who join it must be Jewish by ethnicity and they must be Zionist by ideology. So there you have it, and 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 he was the international order of this group. And he, his daughter, he was a millionaire, of course, a very rich man, and his, and his daughter, Betty Lou Saltzman, presented Obama to the, her Jewish comrades in Chicago in 1992 and said that Obama will be America's first black president. And then she, what she did is that she um, hired uh, Ron Manuel and David Axelrod to basically create the candidate, to shape the candidate, to create him, to educate him, to teach him how to talk teach him how to present himself, to teach him what to say, and, and, and all this kind of stuff, how to read off the teleprompters. And, and they created the candidate. And, 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 and you could see it. You could see it that it was so clear. When, 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 um, when the election, and, and when, when Obama was elected in, uh, to the Senate in 2004, I remember that on National Public Radio in Chicago that morning, they said, he's so presidential. He's so presidential. I thought, wait a minute. What do you mean? What's so presidential about it? He just won a race where he was basically the only candidate running, and you call him presidential. You see, the fix was in. This is how it worked. And, and so, you know, when we, we see this connection, and this, was, this information I'm telling you comes from basically from the Jewish press in Chicago. There's a, there's a newspaper in Chicago. I forgot what it's called, the Jewish, some, the Jewish world or something. And, and when Obama got elected, they had, a, they had a front cover of their thing was, I think, called Obama, America's first Jewish president or something like that. They were very proud. The Jewish press was very proud of the role that the Jews had played in making Obama president. And it was you know, I've, written, I've written extensively about it. But you have to understand that that's how Obama was created. And so that when, when we talk about, when, when people talk about change, 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 and people, Americans were hopeful, progressives were hopeful that Obama would, would bring change, they were sorely disappointed to find that he didn't bring any change at all. Rather, he, he, it's the same old, same old. He didn't. He didn't close Guantanamo, and the war in Afghanistan actually was increased. Well, that shows you who's who's interested. Who's interested in serving? And I think that you know most Americans now are are sadly disappointed in the Obama administration.
3: Hmm. Remarkable. You've got a real handle on it, uh, Christopher, and I'm glad to hear that. Um, uh, Steve, is there anybody out there in audience land that uh, wants to? Uh, speak up, ask a question. Okay,
1: uh, we've got a few people, uh, definitely a lot of people that's uh, muted. Uh, star six to unmute yourself and uh, if you'd like to jump in with a question or
3: a comment with uh, Crystal, you're welcome to do so.
2: Kamuk, I wanted to say if you can still hear me yeah. that your your video from Santa Rosa is doing very well and, and there's also another video from Dallas, Texas that they was done um, on the same trip uh, a little bit earlier which is also doing very well and so it's like i'm i'm pleased to see that because it shows me that people are interested in just you know solving 911 message they they are they are very interested in that, in, that, in that subject you know it, it, it yeah. it's, it's you know the media the media the organized controlled media would have you think that 911 was a one off event it happened it's done it's over, we kill the bad guys, we, we fought the bad guys, we won, and we can all go to bed happy. But in fact, that's far, far from the truth. The bad guys have right. taken over the White House, and the bad guys are controlling our government and our media. And if we don't, if we don't have this catharsis, if we don't have this national cleansing, this purging of our government, it will only get worse. And We will only get in, engaged in, 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 in more wars and worse wars than we've been engaged in in the last 20 years. So that's why it's really, it's really absolutely essential that people understand um, that solving 9-11 and 9-11 truth um, is revolutionary, and it has to happen. I mean, this is a big thing. You know, that's why a lot of Americans are very, uh, they, they balk. They're, they're afraid to get involved in 9-11 truth. They're afraid to, you know, um, make their statements or make any, any uh, uh, come out and say what they, what they believe because they, they don't want to be, they're afraid of the government. They're afraid the government's going to take away. The, they're, going to, they're going to audit them. The government's going to take away their job. The government's going to take away their money. The government, you know, the, people are afraid. Um, but I mean, this is something that has to happen.
1: Absolutely. And,
2: I mean, I understand people. Yeah. You know. Absolutely.
1: And also, if I could say too, Christopher, that uh, the Pentagon. This was up on uh, press TV. I have that on the newsletter and also on uh, RT, uh, RT News. That uh, the Pentagon has a new uh, uh, document out or one of their one of their uh, uh, documents about uh, how to handle a war situation that uh, uh, press, a lot of the journalists are now considered unprivileged belligerents. In other words, they're saying journalists can be terrorists as well. So, you know, this is what they're doing, and 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 that's a scare tactic, just like Christopher directly uh, yeah. said. And they're trying to intimidate uh, people to to not try to research the truth and not to share it. But yeah. you, you're, you're not being uh, a worthy of being even a human being to simply sidestep this issue. And, and, you know, there's so many people that were innocently killed, and even more so, the casualties way supersede what was killed, the initial uh, death toll on, on 9-11, as a result of the continuing lying and the wars and everything else, like Christopher said. So it's important to get the truth out.
2: But, Steve, it's even worse than that. It, it, I mean, one way I, I put it is that, like, um, uh, you know, when they, when, they, when they killed President Kennedy, it was a de facto coup d'etat. The government was, you know, the government was taken over and, and, and things were done, you know, the violent coup d'etat. But what happened when, when they did 9-11, September 11th, was it was, a, it was very definitely a policy coup. When, when suddenly our, our policies were shifted radically and, and our, our ship of state was hijacked and and it's like we know if we're like passengers on a big airplane that's been hijacked and we know that the guys that are in the cockpit are not taking us to our destination and 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 we're 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 way off course and and yet you know some of the people like in the first class cabin are still enjoying their champagne and their lunches and they don't really want to get involved they they, watch you know i still got some good food here and i got a bottle of champagne so i'm not gonna do anything and 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 People are afraid to do something, but they, they, they have to understand that our nation has been hijacked. And it, it's not going to un-hijack itself. The hijackers are not going to take us anywhere we want to go. So it, it's absolutely incumbent and imperative that we do something. And, and, and that, that's what has to happen. It's, it's like America, is, America, the United States of America for 200 200 years has not had a revolution. We're long overdue. And what's happened is that it, slowly and surely, over the last 50, 60 years, this 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 foreign power has taken over all the levers of power in our government and in our media. And so we're living like in this in this bizarre reality where we think that everything's going to be fine. Somehow everything's going to be fine, you know, like the first class passengers on that hijacked plane. Well, I, I, if things are still good for me. I got my food and my champagne. But hey, it's not going to last for everybody, you know. Those hijackers are going to do something to the plane, and you're not, you're not going to be wanting, you know, you've got to do something about it. That's how I look at it. It's, it's, it's that serious, and it's that, it's that clear.
1: Exactly. It's time that we as Americans do what the French did after Germany went over and took over France. They got together, yeah. they discussed it, they shared it, and they actually took their country back. And so we need to do the same thing. Thank you, Christopher. That's right.
0: Yeah, and that takes the leadership. There's leadership roles that have to go on to get the people organized because many, many people will willingly do uh, activities, but they have to be yeah. led.
3: So yeah. well, I you know, is, I just hope yeah. that
0: sometime we can start trying to get something at that level organized. Well, you see, the thing is,
2: is that the government has been preparing for this all along. And now they, I just saw this week, they say that, uh, you know, American, native-born American uh, terrorists are a greater threat than, than jihadis, for example. And so, you know, uh, when the police came to my house, they were all fired up. They thought that I was a, I was a militia, a neo-Nazi, da-da-da-da-da, blah, 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 blah. and they were all worked up. They had been, the ADL had given them a real, uh, a real story about me. And, and they, they came to my house and attacked me like I was a jihadi. And of course, the, the police that ran the operation had been, had been military police in Iraq, so they they were just they just transferred their skills and their operation from Baghdad to Hoffman State, Illinois. But I mean, it's, 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 the government is, is 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 very well prepared, or is making itself very well prepared to deal with exactly this. You know, you, you talk about this, this Jade thing, this Jade operation that's going on, and and this increasingly militarized police in America. They're, they're prepared for it, you know, and the closest thing we had to any sort of like altercation that could have led to a, a, a revolution was the, the, Bundy, the Bundy Place thing in Nevada because there you saw there were Americans willing to come out there with their guns and face off against the federal government. And the federal government decided that we would, they would, they would retreat on that issue. They would, they, would, they would back off because they didn't want to have a Bunker Hill they didn't want to have a, a, a revolution starting. They weren't ready for it, but they are getting prepared. And so, you know, uh, how, do we go about, how do we go about doing this? You know, you, in, your, in your mind, you think that the only thing that could happen would be a government, I mean, a military coup. You, you think that t- traditionally, typically, um, what happens is that the, the political, the, the loyal people, the loyal patriots in the military lead the way. And the military, what has power and guns and everything an organization, takes over the government and, 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 and throws out the bad guys. That's the, that is how I I think it would have to happen in America because if the citizens try to do it, we would be shot down, I'm afraid to say.
0: But we can organize to, in order to educate. Yes. That's what we have to do. Yes. Absolutely. It has to be
2: it has to be through organization of, of educating people and, 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 and you know spreading the word. But at some point at some point, action has to be taken. I mean, these guys that these guys that you know, these people that have taken over our government are not going to purge themselves, and these people that have deceived us about nine eleven are not going to, you know, uh, give up. So it's like it, it's it's there's a struggle, and and there's, there's a struggle that's going to happen,
0: and it's got to happen.
2: I mean, it's inevitable.
0: I, that's all I can say. It's inevitable.
1: Well, I'm glad I'm a
3: part of it. Yeah. yeah. We all are. That's why we're truthers. And now now we're going to be solvers. I want to put a little emphasis now on actually solving nine 11 uh, We've got the truth about it, and we know that, that nanothermite was in it. And But there's a lot of other bits and pieces that uh, we have collected that we need to get out to the general populace of, of what pieces have been solved and not be arguing about all uh, different ways that uh, blue screeners Mm -hmm. uh, show you how the planes hit or it was real or who knows about that. But we Mm -hmm. need to find a way to get solving 9-11 out to the general public so that we can encourage tax, task forces to arise and solve 9-11 just like the murder mystery that it is. It's, it's, uh, it could be an exciting time for our country to actually solve this problem, but, but most people don't even know it needs to be solved. What do you think about that? Right,
2: right, right. That's exactly right. It, it's, it's, it's the, that's the first thing I make clear to people when I first start talking about this pre- in the presentation, is that they have to understand that 911 the 911 crime was not solved and and furthermore it was not even investigated and 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 you have to explain to them that the the evidence from the crime scene was all destroyed so it's like you know they don't understand that and when 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 you, when you when you make that try to make that clear you know but it, it it's kind of hard because you're 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 up against a lot of uh kind of like fossilized ideas people have. And furthermore, you know, you're telling them something that does not gel with what they've heard from the mainstream media. And, and the, the real problem is in America, in my perception, is that, is that the television has such a powerful impact on the people and the, 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 the television has become um, a propaganda tool um, without equal. And, and the American people that consume television news are are you know deceiving themselves every single day of the week and when you try to when you, when you try to confront them with with reality um it's 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 a it's, a, it's, it's tough you know if they don't they don't want to deal with it and then and then furthermore when you when you tell them that the government is behind this conspiracy and the media has been lying to you about 9-11 um, the, their first reaction is to reject what you're saying you know they, they don't want to hear it. It, it it's emotionally un, un, unpleasant and even if you can prove, so you have to really lay out the, the evidence very carefully and very systematically, um, so that they can they can start to understand um, the level of deception. Because the level of deception is huge. I mean, our nation, our nation is so the United States is such a deceived nation. You know, um, it, it's it's uh, it's really serious problem. So the first thing they have to do is they have to turn off their TVs and they have to start uh, opening their minds. Um, and read, but that's hard because people are have have TV addictions. Actually, they're addicted to the thing, and and yeah. they, they they want to they want to believe they want to believe they live in the freest nation in the world. They want to believe that their media is free and open. They want to believe these things. Yeah. I can understand that?
3: Right, right. Yeah, Americans think they're the the free country around, but if you look at it in terms of the controlled media and what we're actually allowed to know. Yeah. Uh, it's totally different than that. Television, as far as I'm concerned, is the single most addicting drug on the planet, and you're right, yeah. television is one of the reasons well, why people get so stuck on this stuff. It just goes right straight well, into the brain.
2: Well, look at, look at what they're saying in the NATO countries in America now, uh, about Russia, for example. They're saying that Russia is this, is this new threat to the West. Russia is going to aggress NATO. R- Russia is going to attack these Baltic countries or whatever. But just wait, just just think about it for a minute. What organization, what group has aggressed, you know, a handful of nations in the, in the past 10 years? Well, NATO has. NATO has aggressed um, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, um, Somalia. Um, you know, there's a, there's a host of countries where, where NATO has gone in and absolutely destroyed the nation and left the nation like a quivering mass of flesh, like, like Iraq or like Libya. They've completely destroyed nations, and, and, yet, and yet they, they, say, they point Mr. Putin and say, ah, look at, he's, look at that man over there, Putin. He's a real threat. Well, who's the threat to world peace? What group, what nations have, have aggressed other nations in the past 10 years? It's not Russia. Russia hasn't aggressed anybody in the past 10, 15, 20 years. Not since they went into Afghanistan back in the 70s has, has Russia invaded anybody. And, and, and the, the annexation of the Crimea was done completely legally and fairly and honestly. I mean, never mind the fact that 97% of the people of the Crimean Peninsula are Russian-speaking people and that Crimea has been a part of Russia for a long, long time. And only in 1954 did Khrushchev, in the Soviet Union time, did the Ukrainian Khrushchev, Premier Khrushchev, give that Crimea to the Ukraine. At that time, it meant very little because these were like internal state borders. But, of course, when, when the Soviet Union broke up and Ukraine took away Crimea, it was a more serious issue. But, but when, when, when Victoria Nuland, our assistant secretary of state, when she fomented the, the Kiev revolution and got the elected government of Kiev, of Ukraine, you know, in exile, then, then it was a given. It was an absolute given that they were creating a civil war, just like they're trying to create now in the United States again with this, this whole um, confederacy flag issue it, and, and it's like it's, I, I compare it to what what happened in canada if, if, if the united states were to promote a, a, a coup in canada in ottawa and put a english speaking english language only government in power in canada there would be a revolution by the morning because the french speaking canadians would revolt well they knew the exact same thing was going to happen in, in 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 ukraine because you had a you know a third of the population was russian-speaking and that's what they, they're Russian-speaking people. So they created this whole, this whole uh, problem, and, 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 this, and now they've used the problem to increase fear in Europe and, and, and dictate they've dictated to every single member of NATO that they have to spend 2% of their GDP on buying weapons. Huh? And, and so they're parking B-52 bombers up here in Sweden and in, in the Baltic states, and they're, they're gearing up for a war that is completely unnecessary. And, and I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm really concerned about this uh, uh, lack of leadership in, in the Western states because the Western states are now completely complicit in this criminal network, the Zionist criminal network that brought us the war in Afghanistan and Iraq and Libya, and now they want to do the same thing with Russia because, you see, that, that's all they can do. That's all they can do is make war. And, and unless we stop them, they will do that. So that's isn't, why it's really imperative. It's really, it's really urgent that we do something.
0: Isn't the main reason that they're uh, upset over Russia is because of the BRICS plan that uh, they're is putting competition with the World Bank?
2: You bet, you bet. And and now we have we have a big a big week coming up ahead of us. We got uh, the, the the end of the month in in Greece on Tuesday. And it looks like the Greeks are going to have a referendum, and, and, and these, European, these European potentates, these, these financial guys, are all protesting, saying, oh, oh now they're going to let the public decide. This is completely irresponsible, to so let the public decide. You know, Greece, who gave us democracy, is saying, well, let the people decide if they want this austerity plan that's being pushed on them by the IMF or not. You know, they're turning, they're turning Greece into Argentina. They want, you know, I don't know where all the money went. I don't know what Greece's economic problems are, but Greece... They're they're trying to create situations. situation, but Greece is going to leave. Is going to leave the euro, and Greece might very well join up with BRICS, you know, and other countries in Europe. That's an option. That's becoming an option. There's 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 this, you know, there's this other way that they can go. They don't have to be tied to the, the bankers, the bankers of London and, and Washington and New York. They can they can join in with this third this, this alternative, you know, non-aligned group, but Brazil, Russia, India. China, you know, South Africa—it's big, and so you know, something's going to happen in Greece this coming week, and that—and it's very big. You know, and the euro, the euro, the euro project is uh, is is feeling very, very skittish right now.
0: You don't hear a peep about bricks on our media. No,
2: no, of course not, of course not, because who owns the media?
0: Yeah, you know, I
2: know. That's the, that's the thing. it's, it's the, the media. The, the media in, in the United States is so tightly controlled, it squeaks. It's like it's, like, um, it's worse than the Soviet Union. But, but you tell that to Americans, they think you're you think, they think exaggerating. But, you know, when I, come, when I was in the States last time, when I watched uh, uh, CNN, I was in a hotel room watching CNN or Fox News, um, you know, it was, it was not news. It was just propaganda 24-7. And whatever the issue was at the time, that's all they talked about. That's all they talked about, and it was it was something to do with uh, probably with Palestine, Israel, and guys, and so on and so on. But it was amazing that it was so so overtly propaganda, and so and so in your face, so aggressive, especially Fox News, so absolutely aggressive. I I can't understand how America let let the media you know deteriorate in such a such a Terrible condition that it's
3: now. Well, it's after a hundred years of letting it happen. It, the, uh, mm-hmm. the Zionist movement has been going on for a hundred years. It's not surprising it's as, in as deep as it is. Yeah, yeah. So, do you have a few words you'd like to say on the revolution begins with nine eleven truth? Just as a kicker on our way out here. Uh,
2: well, I I, 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 I think that it's important for people understand that, that um, solving 9-11, understanding what happened on 9-11 and understanding who is behind it and what the agenda is, is absolutely essential because um, it's, it's, it's sort of like the Rosetta Stone or it's like the, the key to understanding what is happening now on a day-to-day basis. We are, you know, it's now become a situation where false flag terrorism is the new norm. It, it, it is happening on a on a weekly basis. I mean, you know, we don't know what the next week's going to bring, but it's likely to bring another false flag terrorism attack, whether it's shooting at some school or, or God knows what, you know, and, and if, if you understand how this deception works and where they are trying to take us, where they're trying to take our nation and our world, then you'll understand that it is absolutely imperative that we, that we understand the deception. We understand who's behind it, and that we we resist it with every ounce of energy in our bodies.
3: Because where they're trying to
2: take us is no place we want to go.
3: Yeah, absolutely right, Christopher. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here and you taking the time to help enlighten us all. And we're just going to keep doing this until we solve 9-11. That's the way it's got to be. It's just a murder mystery that we're going to be solving here in the next few years.
2: Well, thank you, and I will do, I will do what I can to, to start recording these uh, chapters and do an audio book. That's a great idea. I think thank you for your encouragement on that. That's a, a great idea. And it's okay. been a pleasure being with you.
3: Thank you, Chris. All right. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week or, or next month, Christopher, All right. hopefully.
2: All right. Take care. Thank you very much.
3: You betcha. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. A-U-N, American Underground Network.